We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 641 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Thursday August 24th 2023 and unfortunately it has happened again it is Redskins all-time great offensive lineman Joe Jacoby being denied election to the Pro Football Hall of Fame We on July 27th learned that the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Seniors Committee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024 had trimmed a list of 31 semifinalists to a list of 12 players, including Joe Jacoby, who, of course, should have been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame years ago. Uh, These 12 seniors candidates were vying for three potential spots in the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024. Well, We on Wednesday afternoon learned of the three candidates who had advanced to the final step in the selection process for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024, and not a single one of those candidates was Joe Jacoby. Uh, The three candidates, Denver Broncos, all-time great linebacker Randy Gratishar, Chicago Bears, all-time great defensive tackle Steve Mongo McMichael, and New York Titans and Oakland Raiders, all-time great receiver Art Powell. Look, I don't want to sit here and knock any of these guys, especially Mongo McMichael. You know, Mongo for months has uh, been on his deathbed. Uh, The guy has Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, but you can make a very good case that Joe Jacoby is more pro football Hall of Fame worthy than any of those guys. And that's not to say that those guys are not pro football Hall of Fame worthy, but This decades-long saga of Joe Jacoby being denied election to the Pro Football Hall of Fame is ridiculous. There are many things that I hope happen for our commanders with the Josh Harris group now owning the team. One of those things is that the disrespect from the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting process comes to an end. I mean, ask yourself this. If Joe Jacoby had the exact same career that he had with the Skins, with, say, the New York Giants, or Pittsburgh Steelers, or Green Bay Packers, the exact same career, just for one of the 
blue blood franchises of the NFL. Is there any doubt that he would have been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame years ago? Like, is there even a semblance of a doubt? Uh, Not for me, and I'm guessing not for many of you. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Hopefully someday, somehow, someway, Joe Jacoby is elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hey, maybe he and Sam Howell will wind up in the same class. Hey, Commander's head coach, Ron Rivera, he may be thinking that Sam is on his way to Canton, Ohio. Ron, during a pre-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, gave us quite the endorsement of Sam Howell. Quote, We feel very strongly, I know I do, going into this season, that we've got a guy, end quote. Also, Ron, quote, there's not that question mark still. For three seasons, I always felt I had a question mark. And now you feel like, wow, it feels like, okay, this is pretty good end quote. No podcast or show gives you as much comprehensive commander's audio as this podcast does. Next segment, you will hear exactly what Ron Rivera said and how he said what he said. And I will react to what Ron said, because what he essentially said is that he believes that the commanders have themselves a franchise quarterback. Again, quote, we feel very strongly, I know I do, going into this season that we've got a guy, end quote. Boy, the Sam Howell hype is on fire right now. Uh, His performance in that 29-28 win over the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field this past Monday night to end the streak, to end the Ravens' NFL record 24-game preseason winning streak has taken Sam to, like, a new level. And you think about this, the win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 18 of last season, this preseason win over the Ravens, we are either going to look back at those games as early signs, early tells, that Sam Howell was, as Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon said, a guy. Or <laughs> we are going to look back upon the Sam Howell excitement off those games with shame. But I have to tell you, I am pumped about Sam Howell. Also next segment, some good stuff from Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on Sam Howell and the offense. And then after our Sam Howell discussion, more on the Commanders, off them practicing on Wednesday afternoon, including the latest on three key injured players, receiver Terry McLaurin, tight end Logan Thomas, and edge defender Chase Young. Uh, An update from Ron Rivera on the left guard competition, with Ron perhaps adding a few twists to the conversation, and an assessment from Ron of the team's top two linebackers, Jamin Davis and Cody Barton. Also on the show, the Nationals. Uh, they on Wednesday night had a rare bad night these days. A 9-1 loss at the New York Yankees in a game in which starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore allowed six runs, two earned in four innings, thanks in part to some woeful Nats defense in a five-run Yankees second. 
Uh, but also, this was a game in which we had a scary scene. Nats right fielder Stone Garrett in the bottom of the seventh and attempting to make a leaping catch of a leadoff full count opposite field home run by DJ LeMahieu to right field, crashed into the wall, landed on the warning track, and was rolling in pain. He ended up being carted off the field. Uh, this appears to be some sort of lower left leg injury. No word, though, on the actual injury. So we hope for the best. Uh, and I will talk Orioles, uh, the American League leading O's. A nice win on Wednesday night, a 7-0 win over the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards as starting pitcher Dean Kramer continued to roll six scoreless innings with five strikeouts versus no walks. And the O's got back right fielder Anthony Santander from a three-game absence caused by back soreness. Santander was back from the back, and he went two for four with two solo homers. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Some emails regarding the name issue with our football team. I'm trying not to hit on the name issue too much because we are now in the football portion of the football year, and there is a fatigue with the name issue, but I do continue to get a lot of feedback on the name issue, and the name issue is important. Uh, Email from Joe in Houston, Texas. Joe is the guy who back in March emailed me about a potential new name for the commanders, Rappahonics, the Washington Rappahonics. Uh, Rappahonic is derived from an Algonquin word meaning river of quick rising tide uh, and is the name of a tribe. Uh, is the name of a county in Virginia and is the name of a river in Virginia. Uh, Writes Joe, I followed you since your Team 980 days, and I wanted to not only congratulate you on surpassing your 640th podcast, but also thank you for doing your best work on episode 609. Al, I got a transfer back home and left the DMV after just three years, 2020 to 2023. These were my worst years as a Redskins fan and a terrible time to relocate to the DMV. I'm still a huge fan of your pod, but not of the team. Moving to the DMV with childhood dreams of watching my favorite NFL team came crashing down. Al, a rebrand is a must. The name Commanders is a joke. The Redskins name or a name like Rappahonics is a must. In my other two emails, I mentioned that a model that FSU uses in honoring the Seminoles should be explored. Thank you for having the two Naga members on the show and educating everyone. The name was changed because the minority owners wanted to cripple the team. They had no interest in helping the Native Americans at all. They just wanted to ruin the team legacy, and they succeeded due to Dan Snyder being who he is. Al, I remember praying for Joe Gibbs to come back to save the skins from mediocrity. Everyone told me that that would never happen. I also wanted Joe to go after Buddy Ryan to lead the defense. Well, uh, Joe did come back and we got Greg Williams, a Buddy Ryan understudy. My prayers came true. Al, it's time to restore the name Redskins. The fan base is gone. Old guys like me with tons of money (laughs) to throw at the team are not going to go to Commander's Games. We will go to Redskins games. Uh, Thank you for the email, Joe. Well, uh, I, on this past Friday show, episode 637, had on as a guest the great Howard Gutman 
uh, the former United States ambassador to Belgium and a good friend of and strategic advisor for the top limited partner in the Josh Harris group, Mitchell Rails. I asked Howard if he thought that there's any chance that the team will go back to the name Redskins. And Howard gave me a uh, joking answer about how everything he knows about the issue of going back to the name Redskins he's learned uh, from this podcast and uh, from my conversation with Naga, the uh, Native American Guardians Association, on episode 609 of this podcast. But Howard did not say no to going back to the name Redskins. He did not dismiss it. He sidestepped it, which I did understand. Here's what I believe about the Josh Harris group bringing back the name Redskins. I think that the Harris Group would bring back the name Redskins if the Harris Group could bring back the name Redskins. But I also think that the Harris Group thinks that the NFL would not allow the group to bring back the name Redskins. Uh, Bringing back the name Redskins would require the NFL being on board. The Harris Group couldn't just go rogue in bringing back the name. And I think that the Harris Group thinks that the NFL would not be on board. And you know what? From the NFL's perspective... I get not being on board. You know, you think about where the NFL is coming from on all of this. The NFL just got rid of the big problem that was Dan Snyder owning the team. The NFL's Washington problem essentially has been addressed. Why would the NFL want to create another problem slash controversy with the team? Like from the NFL's perspective, Washington has been this problem franchise for which local revenues have declined big time and has been a franchise that has been involved in a lot of controversy. What the NFL wants from Washington now is for it to be quiet, okay? You know, put your head down, get back to being the big time revenue generator, the big time earner that you used to be, right? The franchise was such a big money generator for so many years, and the rate at which the team has generated money has declined big time, thanks to all of the problems that have taken place uh, during the era of the Danny. The NFL from Washington does not want more problems, more headaches, more controversy. And right or wrong, fair or unfair, I absolutely could see the NFL seeing Washington going back to the name Redskins as a problem, as a headache, as a controversy that, oh, by the way, could get in the way of the franchise getting back to being the big time moneymaker that the franchise was for so many years. Remember, what the NFL cares about is money, okay? Not morality, money. The prism through which the NFL sees everything is money. The NFL doesn't care about the merits of the Redskins name issue. Who's right? Who's wrong? What's the truth about the name? What's fake news about the name? No, 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 (laughs) no. The NFL sees this issue with a very simple bottom line, money. And if the NFL sees Washington going back to the name Redskins as something that would be bad for making money, then the NFL isn't going to allow Washington's new ownership, the Josh Harris Group, to bring back that name. Simple. But you know what? As Joe mentioned in his email, Joe Gibbs returning to be the head coach of the Skins was considered unthinkable, and yet that did happen in January 2004. So you never say never. Uh, I also want to say this about Naga. So Naga's online petition to bring back the name Redskins was approaching 125,000 as of late Wednesday morning. Uh, The petition started after Naga's appearance on this podcast and has been a big success. Now, what the petition ultimately will accomplish, who knows? Uh, But Naga last Thursday put out a statement just crushing the commanders for reuniting with Bud Light. 
that sponsorship now is back on. Uh, the statement from Naga was attributed to the president of Naga, Eunice Davidson, who was one of the two members of Naga who I had on episode 609 of the podcast. Uh, the statement referred to the commanders as, quote, the woke cancel culture loving commanders, end quote. And the statement included a meme of Dylan Mulvaney, uh, who is a trans TikTok person who has a relationship with Bud Light. And the meme had Mulvaney in an air bubble quote, <laughs> contemplating burning the United States flag at a commander's game. Uh, yeah, look, Eunice is Native American. She's a full-blood Dakota Sioux. Far be it for me to tell her what to think or say about the issue of the name Redskins. Uh, there in this whole thing has been way too much of non-Native Americans speaking for Native Americans. But uh, I did not think that a statement like that was the way to go. If Naga is going to succeed in bringing back the name Redskins, Naga is going to need both Republicans and Democrats, both conservatives and liberals on board, especially considering how liberal the Washington, D.C. area is. Like, you got to try to bring people together on this issue. And you do that with calm, rational, respectful, fact-based conversation, which is what the Naga members and I had on episode 609 of this podcast. Uh, just my two cents. Email from Dan in Minnesota on a potential new name for the commanders that I talked about on last Thursday's show, episode 636, via an email from my man Jeff. Uh, Burgundy and gold. The Washington Burgundy and gold. Right, Stan, I'm with the BNG movement. It lets you do whatever you want with a logo as long as you keep the color scheme. We might even be able to bring back the old helmet. Surely a picture of a face isn't offensive, is it? Or are Native Americans never to be looked at again because that helmet was so offensive? I digress. I am for sure one of the people who wants to maintain as much of the heritage of this team as possible. So even if it isn't B&G that the team goes with, I hope that the team finds a way to roll back as far as the times allow. Take care, Al. Uh, thank you. For the email, Dan, well, there have been two levels uh, to be against the name Redskins. One is being just against the name. Another is being against the name, but also any Native American imagery, period. So that line of thinking would disallow going back to the helmet with the Native American warrior. You know what I think about sometimes with this whole Redskins issue? The NHL's Chicago Blackhawks. And the Blackhawks, of course, uh, have a logo that uh, is similar to the old Redskins logo. But do you remember what happened with the Blackhawks in 2020? So it was on July 2nd, 2020, that FedEx put out the famous statement, quote, we have communicated to the team at Washington our request that they change the team name, end quote. It was the very next day, July 3rd, 2020, that the Skins announced that they were undergoing, quote, a thorough review of the team's name end quote. And it was at that point that we knew that the name Redskins was done. Well, it was on July 7th, 2020, that the Chicago Blackhawks issued a statement that essentially said that the team wasn't changing anything. Uh, the statement read in part, quote, the Chicago Blackhawks name and logo symbolize an important and historic person, Blackhawk of Illinois' Sac and Fox Nation, whose leadership and life have inspired generations of Native Americans, veterans, and the public. We celebrate Blackhawk's legacy by offering ongoing reverent examples of Native American culture, traditions, and contributions, providing a platform for genuine dialogue with local and national Native American groups. 
As the team's popularity grew over the past decade, so did that platform and our work with these important organizations. We recognize there is a fine line between respect and disrespect, and we commend other teams for their willingness to engage in that conversation. Moving forward, we are committed to raising the bar even higher to expand awareness of Black Hawk and the important contributions of all Native American people. We will continue to serve as stewards of our name and identity, and will do so with a commitment to evolve. Our endeavors in this area have been sincere and multifaceted, and the path forward will draw on that experience to grow as an organization and expand our efforts, end quote. How about that? The Blackhawks in July 2020, in the midst of the Redskins name controversy at that time, in the midst of everything going on in this country at that time, basically said, yeah, we're good. We're not changing anything. But the Blackhawks said that via a statement that was smart, a statement that was respectful. The Redskins, during their name controversy, never put out a statement like that. Again, calm, rational, respectful, fact-based conversation is the way to go. That's the way that the Chicago Blackhawks went. And lo and behold, they are still the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, wherever you stand on the name issue, uh, there's a good chance that you're being impacted by what's happening in the home and auto insurance markets right now. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. And that's why you should get with BMC insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you.
So when exactly Washington training camp ends and we move into just preseason practicing is never quite clear, but you could argue that we this year have made that transition. The commanders this past Saturday morning had the final open practice of 2023 training camp at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. Open is an open to fans. Then came the team's second of three games this preseason. The greatest preseason game ever. <laughs> uh, the 29-28 win over the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field this past Monday night to end the Ravens' NFL record 24-game preseason winning streak. And then off an off day on Tuesday, we had a practice on Wednesday afternoon at 1.15. And the team was set to have a practice on Thursday afternoon at 1.15, transitioning from the morning practices of training camp. So absent some, you know, loud horn that signifies the end of 2023 commander's training camp, it does appear as if we have had the end of camp, which in today's NFL is pretty much the same thing as the uh, preseason practices that take us through the cut down to 53 and into the regular season. Uh, The cut down to 53 is coming up. It is uh, by this Tuesday, August 29th at 4 p.m. Eastern that each NFL team must cut its active roster to no more than 53 players. But before that is the commander's third and final game of the 2023 preseason, home to the Cincinnati Bengals this Saturday evening at 6.05. Nobody is expecting the commanders to play starters in that game, but what about key backups? Uh, Well, it was quarterback Jacoby Brissett who on Wednesday afternoon was receiving first-team practice reps, a sign that he will be playing on Saturday evening. Now, personally, I would not play Jacoby. I would not play any key players, including key backups. And maybe Jacoby won't be playing, but he did get first team practice reps on Wednesday afternoon. So we'll see if the commander starting quarterback on Saturday evening is Jacoby Brissett or Jake Fromm. But I am confident in saying that the team starting quarterback on Saturday evening will not be Sam Howell. Uh, Not with him being QB1 and not off the good last month that he has had punctuated by a very good performance in that win over the Ravens. Sam in that game was the commander starting quarterback, played for the entire first half, played on 49% of the commander's offensive snaps in the game. Yes, the Ravens in the game did not play a lot of key guys, but Sam in a game against a Ravens team playing backups did as you would want him to do, played very well. He went 19-25 to for 188 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Did take two sacks, but he had three carries for 17 yards. He quarterbacked a commander's offense that in the first half went four of seven on third downs. Your Sam Howell stats over two games this preseason, 28 of 37, good for a completion percentage of 75.7, a yards per pass attempt of 7.16, three touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Yes, uh, these are preseason stats, okay? Uh, But also, yes, these are good stats. Now, the yards per pass attempt isn't anything special, 7.16. You want the yards per pass attempt to be like 7.5 or more, but you can work with a completion percentage of 75.7. You certainly can work with a touchdown pass to interception ratio of 3 to 0. Again, though, these are all preseason stats. Uh, We are entering season number four for Ron Rivera as Washington head coach. He as Washington head coach, has yet to have a winning regular season. You may have noticed that. Uh, The biggest reason for that has been bad quarterback play. Ron is Washington head coach, has yet to truly get the quarterback position right. Are we going to look back on Sam Howell 
as Ron as Washington head coach finally getting the quarterback position right. Ron on Wednesday afternoon did a pre-practice press conference. We, during that presser, had this exchange between Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN and Ron. Looking at, you know, your, the future with Sam Possibly, maybe you get this quarterback position figured out. How exhausting is it for an organization when you can't, when you don't have that guy and the resources you have to invest in that? It's a hell of a question because it's true. It is hard. You, you know, my, my first three years, every year it was a conversation. Every year it was a point of discussion. Every year it was, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And then trying to figure out what resources could you use? You know, that, you know, do we, do we try to trade for this guy? Do we, you know, I mean, the amount of work, that, that, that was done two years ago. I mean, it, it just, you know, I, I mean, it was, you spent a lot of time. I mean, and it's, and because you, you want to get it right, you try to get it right, and you know how important it is, especially in this league today. Um, and, and I know, you know, there was, a, there was a really good stretch, especially under Coach Gibbs, that they were able to find that guy and, and have that guy available. I mean, you win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. You're obviously, you, you've got something rolling. You know, and we're trying to find that. And, and we feel pretty comfortable, pretty good about the guy this year. We, we, we feel very strongly. Um, I know I do going into this, into this season that, you know, we, we've got a guy. How differently do you feel about it this year compared to each of the last two years? Um, I, I think there's, 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 not, um, there's not that question mark still. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, you always kind of, for three seasons, I've always felt that I had a question mark. And now you feel like, wow, I, you know, it feels like, okay, uh, this is pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, pretty confident, um, and I look forward to seeing it. I really do. I mean, uh, the other night seeing it was, was wow, that's, that, that, he did some really nice things. And, and, you know, let's keep rolling, let's keep growing, and hopefully it continues. Wow. <laughs> so there is a lot right there to take in. But what stood out the most to me was Ron Rivera saying of Sam Howell, quote, we feel very strongly, I know I do, going into this season that we've got a guy, end quote. And then Ron, in response to how differently he feels this year about the team's quarterback situation as compared to the previous two years, quote, There's not that question mark still. For three seasons, I always felt I had a question mark. And now you feel like, wow, it feels like, okay, this is pretty good. End quote. We know that Ron Rivera at these press conferences is prone to speaking what I like to call Ronnie's, the language of Ron Rivera. Uh, Ronnie's comes in many forms, but one of those forms is him saying what sounds good in a moment. Uh, What Ron said in that cut that I just played for you does very much sound good in the moment. I mean, as we speak, the stock of Sam Howell is soaring. People in the Washington, D.C. area are getting on board with Sam. Uh, National NFL media members are getting on board with Sam. The same national NFL media that spent so much of the 2023 offseason uh, scolding and lecturing the commanders for positioning Sam to be their QB1, as opposed to the commanders, say, trying to trade for Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. You know, there's a certain irony to Sam this past Monday night having this uh, national coming out party on Monday Night Football on ESPN in a game against 
Lamar's Ravens, although, of course, Lamar uh, did not play in that game. Uh, I don't know how much of what Ron said in that cut that I just played for you, Ron truly believes. And hey, with Ronnie's, Ron could believe what he said in that cut, but Ron then could change his mind in a month if Sam has had uh, back-to-back three interception games. But what Ron said about Sam on Wednesday afternoon absolutely stood out. Quote, we feel very strongly, I know I do, going into this season, that we've got a guy. End quote. I mean, when you say, quote, we've got a guy, end quote, you're saying that you have a franchise quarterback. We've got a guy. We've got a franchise quarterback. Now, if you're hearing all of this and you're thinking that all of this talk off two preseason games is ridiculous, I hear you. I do. I mean, I'm excited about Sam Howell. I'm optimistic about Sam Howell. I was very happy when the Commanders took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. But all of that said, I am going into the uh, Sam Howell experience this season with eyes wide open. You have to. But put aside all skepticism and pessimism for a moment. What if Ron Rivera is right? What if the Commanders do have a guy? What if Washington now finally, mercifully, has a franchise quarterback. That changes everything. Everything. What if the year 2023 goes down in Washington history as the year in which our football team got both new ownership in the Josh Harris group and got a franchise quarterback in the breakout of Sam Howell. How spectacular of a year would 2023 end up being in franchise history? Uh, Also in that cut from Ron Rivera was him being open about how the quarterback conversation was a big conversation in each uh, of his first three off-seasons as Washington head coach, 2020 through 2022, including Ron bringing up something that he last year brought up a lot, how much work the team did in the 2022 offseason in the pursuit of a franchise quarterback, uh, a pursuit that, uh, of course, ultimately yielded the trade with the Indianapolis Colts for Carson Wentz in March 2022, a trade that uh, did not work out. (laughs) Uh, But what else happened in the 2022 offseason? The team drafted Sam Howell took him in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. Uh, In fact, turned the number 11 overall pick in that draft into 2022 six-round pick into four players. Receiver Jahan Dodson, running back Brian Robinson Jr., quarterback Sam Howell, and tight end Cole Turner. Boy, could that look like an all-time Washington draft if things work out the way that we want them to. Uh, We'll see. Okay, we, of course, have a ways to go. But wouldn't it be funny if Ron Rivera's 2022 offseason, which was headlined by this quest for a franchise quarterback, actually did result in the team getting a franchise quarterback? Uh, Not Carson Wentz, but 
Sam Howell. But I digress. Uh, Also speaking to reporters on Wednesday afternoon was Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. He did a post-practice press conference. This was Eric on Wednesday afternoon on how Sam Howell has done over the team's first two games this preseason and how we did in the two joint training camp practices with the Ravens at their team facility in Owings Mills, Maryland on August 15th and 16th. You know what? I thought Sam, is, his progression has been right where you would like it to be. I thought he's, he's just stayed the course. You know, uh, he's learned a lot just being out there each and every day. I think watching Jacoby go out there and sling it around, uh, making all the throws and just letting everything, you know, go free, that that has helped him because Jacoby is an a, is a outspoken individual in that room. And he's helped Sam tremendously. The thing I also like is that Sam, he auto-corrects. And you love that about him. And he takes it personal. He takes work home. And he loves to talk through all the little detailed nuances of the game. So I think he's right where he needs to be. He's done a heck of a job. I thought he did a good job as well uh, in the practices. And he did a heck of a job in the game this past, uh, whenever it was, just a day or two ago. Yeah, all of these days do run together. Uh, but uh, Sam Howell autocorrecting. Eric Bieniemy has been big on that, and he on Wednesday afternoon brought that up again. Uh, more from Eric on Wednesday afternoon on Sam Howell. Every day is a new day, and so there's certain things that click for him right away, and then there's certain nuances of uh, what we're doing that kind of put him in that 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 situation where he's slightly hesitant. And the thing, like I I, I say to our coaching staff all the time, and I have to remind myself of is, you know, every time he does something, it's probably the first time that it's ever happened. And so you have to remind yourself of that. And then you just got to temper your expectations and just understand that he may not know what he don't know. So it's our job to, to collectively keep coaching and teaching through that process. So. I just love the kid's demeanor. And I, and I will say this, okay? Jacoby's been an outstanding leader in that room. He's been an outstanding, outspoken individual in that room. And then just the relationships that have been formulated in that room between himself, uh, Jake, and, 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 um, and Sam. It's, it's a unique collective group, and they all feed off of one another. You know, the way that Eric Bieniemy was talking about Sam Howell right there, quote, every time he does something, it's probably the first time that it's ever happened, end quote. That is how you talk about a rookie. And I guess in some ways, this coming season is Sam Howell's rookie season. Yes, he has had a full NFL season of coaching and development, but he had his rookie season played in just one regular season game. Ask yourself this, though. Imagine if the Commanders had taken Sam Howell with a top 10 pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, and he over the last month had done what he has done, the solid training camp rising to the occasion of the two joint practices with the Ravens and the two very nice preseason games. What would people be thinking then? What would people be saying then? The 2022 fifth round pick thing too often dictates the conversation about Sam Howell. We got to get off the 2022 fifth round pick thing. That's not to say that we should ignore the 2022 fifth round pick thing. But at this point, his performance matters so much more than where he was drafted. And his performance over the last month 
has been really encouraging. Does that guarantee anything for the regular season? Of course not. But it's okay to be encouraged. You're not a sap <laughs> for being encouraged. Uh, Eric Bieniemy on Wednesday afternoon on if the commander's offense right now is about where he hoped it would be at this point. I think we're taking the necessary steps, but we still have a long way to go. There's a lot of things that we can clean up and continue coaching through. First of all, our staff is doing a hell of a job. They're doing a great job of getting these guys aligned. They're doing a great job of getting these guys to gain the complete confidence in what we're doing. But when it's all said and done with, our guys are finding ways, creative ways, to drag themselves across the finish line. And like I said, when you have that resilience it's, it's something that you can build upon. I'm starting to see the second effort. On top of that, I'm seeing guys playing faster. You know, so all those things are just coming to light. Now we just got to continue cleaning up all the little stuff. That's going to help us to become the better team. And nothing, and I mean nothing, <laughs> would help the commanders become a better team more than them finally having a franchise quarterback. Are we and Sam Howell seeing the emergence of a franchise quarterback, of a guy, as Ron Rivera said? Or are we going to look back on all of this talk and laugh and shake our heads? We shall see. Well, uh, there right now is a lot of Sam Howell conversation going on at WSH on the daily on Instagram. Follow at WSH on the daily on IG. On the daily just started in 2021 and yet has nearly 23,000 followers. And on the daily is literally daily. Uh, the page is updated every day. News, notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, this is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. Doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, on the Daily on Instagram is a great place in which you can converse with other Commanders fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency, and trades. Uh, on the Daily responds to every single DM. Uh, on the Daily is a page at which you can have fun. Uh, lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and the contest name that Redskin and free wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On the Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. Uh, and On the Daily always has a great fresh look. If you're on Instagram, check out at WSH On the Daily for smart, informative, fun, and engaging commander's content. Check out at WSH On the Daily on Instagram. More now on the Commanders, off them practicing on Wednesday afternoon with their 2023 preseason finale this Saturday evening, home to the Cincinnati Bengals at 6.05. The Commanders on Wednesday afternoon did announce that they have released punter Michael Pilardi. So we thank Michael Pilardi for a job well done. The Commanders this past Sunday morning, August 20th, announced the signing of Pilardi as an unrestricted free agent. He served as the team's punter for the 29-28 preseason win over the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field this past Monday night. Tressway in that game served as the team's holder, but not punter as he's coming off lower back tightness, has yet to actually punt in a preseason game uh, this preseason. But Pilardi on Monday night did well. Uh, he punted twice, each punt a good punt, a second quarter 53-yard punt that was downed at the Ravens 2, and an early third quarter 51-yard punt that was downed 
at the Ravens 15. The biggest injury concern for the commanders coming out of that game, of course, had to do with receiver Terry McLaurin. Uh, He had three receptions for 39 yards on three targets and playing on 41% of the commander's offensive snaps, but he suffered an injury to his right big toe. Uh, X-rays and an MRI examination reportedly have showed no major damage to the toe, and there does seem to be optimism that he will be able to play come week one of the regular season. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his pre-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on how Terry McLaurin is doing. Again, Terry's uh, x-rays were negative. His MRI showed uh, the same thing for the most part. So we'll continue to just monitor that, continue the rehab and, and, the, and the treatments and stuff. And, you know, we're going to keep him off his feet for a couple more days and then uh, start getting him ready once we get into next week. Okay, so it does sound like Terry McLaurin practicing next week is a possibility. We still are weeks away from the team's regular season opener, home to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday afternoon, September 10th at 1. Uh, That game still is uh, two and a half weeks away. This was Commander's Assistant Head Coach slash Offensive Coordinator Eric Bieniemy during his uh, post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on if he, before being hired by the Commanders this past February, was aware that Terry McLaurin had a reputation for being underrated. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Well, here's the thing. I don't know when Terry has ever been underrated. We loved him coming out. We did a lot of work on watching him when he came out uh, when he came out in the draft his year. And so I have known all about him. There's no hidden secret, and there's no surprise to his mental ability, his physical capabilities. I just love the person. I love the role model and I love the leader, you know, and I love the things that he brings to this organization and to our locker room. Where does that, where does that gap come from? But, you know, whether it's the players and the public and, and are there other players that that reminds you of? You know what? I mean, you can always compare people, but he's his own unique individual. And that's what stands out you know at times he's very quiet at times he can be very outspoken he brings a lot of energy he's very intelligent he plays hard he plays fast he cares he's not afraid of being vulnerable and asking tough questions and so those are the things that you like about him because the only thing he does he helps others around him to be better and that's what you want when you have role models like that in your locker room you have a chance. You have a chance because those young guys get to learn from such an ultimate professional on what it's like to be a professional at this level. Yeah, it basically is impossible to find anyone who has anything bad to say about Terry McLaurin. Two other prominent commanders players dealing with injury are edge defender Chase Young and tight end Logan Thomas. Chase had not fully practiced since suffering a stinger in the team's preseason opening win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th, although he on Wednesday afternoon did participate in team drills. Uh, That was a really good sign. Logan has not fully practiced in weeks due to a calf injury. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Chase Young and Logan Thomas. And remember, this was Ron Pryor. To Wednesday afternoon's practice. Chase, again, is just continuing to work on the side. He's got a doctor's appointment coming up, and uh, we'll go from there. Everything's looking positive. It's looking in the right direction. Logan, things have been going well. He'll actually do some, uh, some sideline work today, uh, which is pretty exciting as well. All right. 
right? Something else that Ron Rivera addressed on Wednesday afternoon was the commander's left guard competition, Sadiq Charles versus Chris Paul. I, on Wednesday's show, episode 640, had a good conversation with Zach Selby, senior writer for commanders.com. He believes that Sadiq is the guy who the team wants to win the left guard competition. It was Sadiq who was the commander's starting left guard on Monday night in a game in which the first team offense played for the entire first half. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on the state of the left guard competition. And then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges with Sam Fortier. But notice a name that Ron quickly mentions. Um, I think it's very good. I really do. I, I, I like what we got um, from, from Sadiq, and I like what uh, Chris Paul has shown us. Um, a young man that's showing us that he's very capable of that guard. Uh, Ricky Stromberg has had a really good camp. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to watch him and his growth and development as well. Um, but, you know, right now I, I, I think Sadiq and, and, and Chris have done a really, really good job for us. And, and I think the, the big thing, obviously, is, you know, we're going to decide, um, you know, who's going to be the guy pretty soon. But, you know, if they continue to practice the way they are, we, got, we probably have to figure a way out how we can play them both. Um, you know, they, they both are stout, powerful young men, and, and they're both smart, young football players. By playing both, you mean We'll see. And do you anticipate uh, Sadiq and or Chris playing on Saturday? Um, that will decide probably another day or two. So Rod Rivera right there, not showing his hand in terms of whether he's leaning towards Sadiq Charles or Chris Paul in the left guard competition, but Ron very early in his answer brought up Ricky Stromberg, uh, a center who the team has been working at guard some. Uh, That was interesting. The commanders took Stromberg in the third round of the 2023 NFL Draft out of Arkansas, for which he did play both center and guard. Stromberg was a four-year starter for Arkansas, 2019 through 2022. He, in the 2019 season, made two starts at left guard and nine starts at right guard. And then he, for the 2020 through 2022 seasons, was Arkansas's starting center. Also, how about Ron Rivera in that cut? that I just played for you, not dismissing the notion of a left guard rotation involving Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul. Boy, Ron likes his offensive line rotations. Remember, we last season had that right tackle rotation involving Samuel Cosme and Cornelius Lucas, and we eventually also had Cosme and Trey Turner rotating at right guard. Uh, The commanders in the win over the Ravens on Monday night did not play a number of key defensive players, but two key commanders defensive players who did play in the game were linebackers Jamin Davis and Cody Barton. Uh, Jamin and Cody each played on 38% of the commanders defensive snaps. Rod Rivera, during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night, said that he played Jamin and Cody in order for them to get more used to playing together. This was Ron on Wednesday afternoon on how Cody and Jamin are doing. Well, I think the biggest thing for Cody is just got to get used to the, to, to the style of play. Um, you know, we're a little different from, from, from his time in Seattle. Uh, and yet yeah, we do some very similar things in terms of coverages. But some of our, our downhill techniques are, are some of the things that he's got to get used to. The first game you saw him, he was really good with it. The second game, um, I think he was kind of a little hesitant to really get downhill. Um, and I think one of the mistakes you got to be careful is that when, when you try to try to be right and fit it correctly and that guy cuts back, now you put yourself in a bad spot. Um, he's done a nice job, I think, assimilating and trying to get a grasp of that. 
Uh, what was really good to watch, though, was his, his play speed, his quickness to, to adjust and to, to make up for that, that little hesitation. Uh, I love his communications with not just Jamin, but the whole unit. I think he's really starting to get a good feel for the guys. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, 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 again, the more he plays, the more reps he gets, the better he's going to be for us. You know, um, This week, you know, he'll get a lot of reps. Uh, in practice, just trying to get it, get it, everything honed up and get everything ready to go for the regular season, more so than anything else. Um, very pleased with Jamin. Uh, Jamin's playing fast. Um, oh, he won't be at practice today. He's sick. He, um, he's got some sort of – they sent him home with some medicine, just so you know. Um, but uh, but he, uh, he's playing faster. Um, he's more confident. You, you see um, his, uh, his, uh, his run, hit, and tackle. I mean, he is still really good at that. Um, I thought some of the coverage stuff, he did a nice job putting himself in position. Um, and um, and really pleased with the progress. The commanders this past March signed Cody Barton as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year contract. He's entering his age 26 season. The Seattle Seahawks took Barton in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Utah. Barton, over his four seasons with the Seahawks, 2019 through 2022, only started 16 regular season games, although we did start 11 of the Seahawks, 17 games in the 2022 regular season. Uh, Jamin Davis is entering his third NFL season off Washington, taking him with the number 19 overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, we know the Jamin story, bad rookie season, better last season. Uh, but Jamin also has his uh, current legal situation. Jamin, on March 28th, 2022 in Loudoun County, Virginia, was charged with reckless driving, uh, this for going 114 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. Uh, a judge on July 31st rejected a plea agreement for Jamin. A judge on August 3rd rejected a revised plea agreement for Jamin. Uh, and so he has this uh, new hearing coming up on August 31st. And by the way, coming out in all of this has been that Jamin was charged with reckless driving in December 2021. Uh, this for allegedly going 89 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone, but uh, that charge was amended to him going 84 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on where he's at with Jamin Davis. Well, I, I think he's progressed to a point where you feel comfortable with him out there and knowing that, you know, he's got a chance to make an impact. And I just, I really like who he's become. I think he's the, the right kind of young man. Um, and he can be a really good player for us. I mean, he's good right now. and I think he can really grow and get even better. Big season coming up for Jamin Davis. Uh, the commanders next offseason have to decide whether to exercise the fifth year option in Jamin's rookie contract. Well, when it comes to deciding how to get tickets to Washington, D.C. area games and events, the way to go is with the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. Uh, the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by 
team venue or artist. I was just on game time looking at tickets for Commander's Games this coming season. A lot of good deals. And the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Uh, Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game time is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time also offers flash deals on tickets and Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with a Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi. For $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. <laughs> Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Nationals, in having won 20 of their last 30 games and in having a farm system now filled with exciting prospects and in having just agreed with manager Davey Martinez on a multi-year contract extension, have had a lot of good days lately. Uh, Wednesday was not one of those good days. Uh, The Nats on Wednesday night got ripped at the New York Yankees 9-1 in Game 2 of a three-game series. This was just the Nats' 11th loss over their last 31 games. The Nats now in this 2023 regular season are 58 and 69. The Yankees with this win snapped a nine-game losing streak. But what stuck with you from this game was what happened with Stone Garrett. So the Nats has passed November 29th signed Stone Garrett as a free agent. They on April 2nd recalled him from AAA Rochester, and he has been with the Nats at the major league level ever since. Uh, This season, is his age 27 season, and he's having a good season. Uh, Garrett, for this 2023 regular season at the major league level, has an OPS of 800. He lately had been playing more. He had gone from a guy who almost exclusively faced left-handed pitching to a guy who increasingly was facing right-handed pitching. Uh, Stone Garrett on Wednesday night was the Nats starting right fielder and number six batter. He went 0 for 2 with a walk and an error, but he suffered what almost certainly was serious injury. Now, we'll see 
But uh, things certainly did not look good. Uh, Garrett in the bottom of the seventh in attempting to make a leaping catch of a leadoff full count opposite field home run by DJ LeMahieu to right field for a 7-0 Yankees lead. It crashed into the wall, landed on the warning track, and was rolling in pain. Uh, Garrett caught his lower left leg in the outfield wall. Uh, on which Garrett's cleat actually left a mark. This was brutal, and once you piece together what happened, this was even more brutal. Uh, Garrett ended up being carted off the field, although he actually limped to the card uh, with assistance, uh, limped uh, with his left leg in an air cast, as opposed to being stretchered onto the card. Uh, But then came maybe the worst part. Stone Garrett, in a heartbreaking scene, covered his face with a towel while crying as he was carted off the field. Uh, This was Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday night on what happened with Stone Garrett. You, you don't never want to see anybody get hurt. And um, when he went down like that, man, just my heart dropped. Um, he was out there wincing. You know, he was pretty, he was pretty hurt. So um, hopefully he's, he's okay. I mean, it's his left leg. Uh, I know he, he's take, getting x-rays. We don't know anything yet. So uh, we'll know more when, um, when they get back. So but it was tough. Um, like I said, I mean, he's, he's one of our clubhouse favorites. I love the kid, you know, so I hope everything's okay. Could you talk about how impressive he was since he joined you guys? Oh, he's been unbelievable. I mean, off the field, on the field. Um, he's a special kid, really is. I mean, um, so like I said, I hope um, we get some, some, some good news um, and that he's going to be okay and, and, uh, and we can put this behind us. But um, he was hurting pretty good. Your, your players with something that happened to their teammate and kind of how do you kind of get them to how do you try to console them kind of that moment it's, it's, it's tough it's tough you know I just tell him hey you know you just gotta go out there and play you know and um, let's just hope that he's 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 gonna be okay so uh, um, they understand you know this game you know this game we gotta get back tomorrow and, and go 1-0 and tomorrow you know I think the players understand that so um, yeah but they're they're all uh, anxious to hear what's going on I know you're waiting for more details, but could you tell if it was ankle or lower leg or knee? I think, or what? I think it's his lower leg. I think his ankle's okay, but, you know, I don't know. You know, he's going to get MRI, x-rays, um, but to me it looked like it was just his, his lower leg. All right, so we await official word on the Stone Garrett injury. Certainly wish him the best. Uh, what was maybe a good sign, an encouraging sign, was that Stone Garrett actually showered uh, in the Nats clubhouse slash locker room. Uh, You would think that if things were ultra serious, he might have just been taken immediately to a hospital, Uh, but he apparently was not. So maybe that's a good sign. But again, there's just a lot uh, with this situation that we do not yet know. Uh, Also for the Nats in this 9-1 loss at the Yankees on Wednesday night was a bad outing for starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore, although a big part of that was the Nats' defense. Uh, Gore allowed six runs, but just two of the runs were earned. He allowed the six runs, two earned in four innings. Uh, He only gave up four hits, although two of the hits were home runs by Aaron Judge. Uh, Gore also gave up two singles, but uh, Gore had four strikeouts versus one walk, and Gore threw a pretty decent number of strikes, 80 pitches, 51 strikes versus 29 balls. Uh, The problem was that Gore allowed things to unravel in what ended up being a five-run Yankee second 
in which the Nats' defense was horrendous. Uh, Gore in the bottom of the first, a ladder run on a one-out solo homer by Aaron Judge to right center field for a 1-0 Yankees lead, despite Judge having been down in the count at 1.12. The homer went a projected 431 feet per stat cast. And Gore in that bottom of the second allowed five runs, one earned. He, in this inning, was failed by his defense big time, but he also wasn't good. So it all started with Gore giving up a leadoff single by Harrison Bader to center field on a 1-2 pitch. Bader then stole second base and advanced to third base on a ground out by Anthony Volpe to third baseman Ildemaro Vargas, who either did not look Bader back to second base or looked at Bader, but Bader just didn't care because Bader came charging into third base. Then came a one-out RBI fielder's choice grounder by Everson Pereira as shortstop C.J. Abrams on the grounder made a one-hop throw to catcher Kate Bear Ruiz, who did make the catch, but then had the ball knocked out of his glove via a hard slide by Bader for a 2-0 Yankees lead. Then came right fielder Stone Garrett committing a one-out fielding error as he on a fly ball by Kyle Higashioka to the right center field warning track failed to make a running backhanded catch as he and center fielder Lane Thomas nearly crashed into each other. Uh, Thomas motioned as if he lost track of the ball. So, you know, this play wasn't all on Garrett, but it was uh, Garrett who ended up failing uh, to make the catch. And you nearly had a bad news bears type moment with Garrett and Thomas crashing into each other. Uh, But then Mackenzie Gore faltered. He issued a one-out five-pitch walk of Oswald Peraza to load the bases. And then two batters later, Gore gave up a two-out grand slam by Aaron Judge to dead center field for a 6-0 Yankees lead. That homer went a projected 437 feet per stat cast. And then two batters later, the Nats' bad defense struck again. A two-out fielding error by shortstop C.J. Abrams, who allowed a grounder by John Carlos Stanton to go right through the legs, right through the five-hole. The Nats' defense in this inning was terrible. The Nats' defense this season has not been good. Now, has been a lot better lately. Uh, the Nats came into this game having won 20 of their last 30 games. The Nats defense during that stretch, for the most part, has been fine. But the Nats did enter Wednesday tied with the Philadelphia Phillies for just 25th out of 30 major league teams and defensive runs saved for this regular season at minus 21. But as bad as the Nats defense was in that five-run second for the Yankees, the Nats hitting for the game (laughs) may have been worse. Uh, The Nats on Wednesday night scored just one run, totaled just three hits, worked just two walks, and did not register a single at-bat with a runner in scoring position. The Nats' lone run came with them down to their last strike, a top of the ninth First baseman Dominic Smith connected on a two-out full count solo homer off the right field foul pole uh, to cut the Nats deficit to 9-1. But the Yankees starting pitcher on Wednesday night was Luis Severino. Understand, Luis Severino came into this game with an ERA of 798 for this regular season. And yet he on Wednesday night against the Nats tossed six and two-thirds scoreless innings. Uh, The Nats bullpen in this 9-1 loss at the Yankees on Wednesday night. Three Nats relievers combined to allow three runs in four innings with seven strikeouts. Two of the relievers were good. Uh, Robert Garcia tossed two scoreless and hitless innings with four strikeouts. Then we had Jose A. Ferrer. Uh, He in the bottom of the seventh allowed three runs. He to the first batter he faced 
gave up that leadoff home run by DJ LeMayhew, the home run which Stone Garrett got hurt. Uh, and then after the lengthy delay caused by the Stone Garrett injury, uh, Ferrer gave up another home run, gave up a full count opposite field solo homer by Aaron Judge to right field for an 8 nothing Yankees lead. That homer, Aaron Judge's third home run of the game, uh, Andres Machado uh, did then toss a perfect bottom of the eighth with two strikeouts. Uh, also with the Nats on Wednesday, bad news on reliever Coral Edwards Jr. Edwards has been on the 15-day injured list since June 21st, retroactive to June 20th with right shoulder inflammation. David Martinez in his pregame session with reporters on Wednesday afternoon revealed that Edwards has been shut down uh, due to a stress fracture in his right scapula. So his season may well be done. He is set to be a free agent this coming offseason. Uh, Edwards was a guy who, had he had a nice season and had he been healthy, could have been a trade chip for the Nats uh, regarding the 2023 MLB trade deadline on August 1st. But Edwards was having a so-so season and then got hurt. Uh, Wednesday, not a good day for the Nats. Uh, game three for the Nats at the Yankees Thursday afternoon at 105. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. The Orioles starting pitcher for Wednesday night's Game 2 of the three-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards was supposed to be Jack Flaherty, but he in a throwing session on Tuesday experienced some soreness, and so Dean Kramer uh, was pushed up a day, and he again came through. Uh, the O's, off their 6-3, 10-inning loss to the Blue Jays on Tuesday night, beat the Blue Jays 7-0 on Wednesday night to get back Joe Angel in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That's right, Joe. The win column. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays on Wednesday night did win. Uh, they beat the National League worst Colorado Rockies 6-5 in 10 innings. So the O's in this regular season now are 78-48, and 48, back to 30 games above 500. Best record in the American League. Uh, the O's are two games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. Dean Kramer, what a job this guy has done the last two months. Uh, he and this 7-0 win over the Blue Jays on Wednesday night tossed six scoreless innings with five strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, he gave up five hits, all of which were singles. He threw a lot of strikes, 94 pitches, 60 strikes versus 34 balls. Here was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Dean Kramer. Yeah, late bump up from yesterday and... Um, you know, it's a team that we know pretty well, so he's done his homework already on these guys and um, just really threw the ball really well. No walks. We didn't walk a batter in the night and the whole pitching staff, um, but I thought he had a really good fastball and cutter going and and uh, located his fastball extremely well. And then once again, we play really, really good defense. Dean Kramer now, since the start of July, nine starts an ERA of 3.06. Really good. Uh, the O's acquired Kramer 
from the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, in the trade package for third baseman slash shortstop Manny Machado in July 2018. And Kramer right now is pitching like an ace. He and Kyle Bradish have been the Orioles' best starting pitchers lately. Uh, the O's in this 7-0 win over the Blue Jays on Wednesday night got back a key player, Anthony Santander. Uh, he returned from a three-game absence caused by back soreness, and he is the Orioles' starting right fielder, and number three batter went two for four with two solo home runs. Santander in an Orioles one-run fifth had a one-out solo homer to the flag court in right field on a one-two pitch for a 2 nothing Orioles lead. This was some homer by Santander. Uh, not only did it come on a one-two pitch, but Santander golfed a super low pitch for the home run. And then Santander in an Orioles five-run eighth had a leadoff homer to right field on a low pitch for a 3 nothing Orioles lead. Uh, Anthony Santander for this 2023 regular season is number one on the O's in home runs with 23 and is number two among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 797. Good to have him back. Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Anthony Santander. Nice to have him back in the lineup. Um, you know, it's probably something I'm going to have to monitor and, and, we, you know, he's as you can tell, he makes a huge impact in our lineup when he's in there. So, great night from him offensively. Um, two homers, another ball in the nose. So, just really, uh, uh, you know, off a really good pitching staff and a really, really good starter in Gossman, and um, really happy having him back. He's been through this entire rebuild to now. What has he kind of meant just overarching for the organization, for the clubhouse to have? Yeah, he, um, you know, he's he's definitely a, a favorite. He was, you know, he he didn't break with that team in '19 and came up in the some one point during that year. And um, I just love the way he played. I remember I played him in center. We didn't really have a center fielder at that time, and and Tony played some center field. And just to watch him mature as a hitter and, a, and as a player and as a person over these last few years, it's been um, really gratifying. Yeah, you heard Brandon Hyde mention the Blue Jays starting pitcher on Wednesday night. He was former Oriole Kevin Gaussman, and he was good. Uh, two runs in six innings, eight strikeouts versus one walk. Uh, the O's on Wednesday night did score seven runs, did total 10 hits, but the O's also worked just two walks and only went two for nine with runners in scoring position. But also in this game was the Blue Jays committing three errors. The Blue Jays defense on Wednesday night was really bad. That was surprising. The Blue Jays entered the day number one in the majors by miles in defensive runs saved for this regular season at plus 70. Uh, and the Orioles bullpen, it on Wednesday night was great. Uh, three Orioles relievers combined for three perfect innings with four strikeouts. Jacob Webb tossed a perfect top of the seventh. Yanir Cano tossed a perfect top of the eighth. And Shintaro Fujinami tossed a perfect top of the ninth with three strikeouts. Uh, Brandon Hyde ended up not needing to use his ace reliever, Felix Batista, who, as you may recall, Hyde did not use for more than one inning in that 6-3-10 inning loss on Tuesday night. Batista in that game tossed a perfect top of the ninth on just nine pitches, but then gave way to Mike Bauman in the top of the 10th. Uh, speaking of him, uh, the O's on Wednesday afternoon announced some roster moves, uh, all having to do with relievers. Uh, the O's on Wednesday afternoon announced that they had optioned uh, Mike Bauman to AAA Norfolk uh, this off. Uh, that uh, rather poor outing in the loss on Tuesday night. Bauman in that top of the 10th allowed three runs, two earned. He on the first pitch that he threw 
gave up a tie-breaking leadoff first pitch two-run home run by Brandon Belt to right center field for a 5-3 Blue Jays lead and Bauman on his next pitch gave up a first pitch double by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to left field and Bauman later in the inning issued a two-out run scoring wild pitch for a 6-3 Blue Jays lead. Uh, also, the O's on Wednesday afternoon announced that they had reinstated reliever Austin Voth from the 60-day entered list. Uh, the O's on June 14th put Voth on the 15-day entered list with right elbow discomfort, so he ended up missing more than two months, and the O's on Wednesday afternoon announced that they had transferred reliever Keegan Aiken to the 60-day entered list with lower back discomfort. Game three for the O's against the Blue Jays. Thursday night at 7.05, Kyle Gibson will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 642. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also talk nationals and Orioles. And that's on Thursday afternoon at 105 of game three of the three game series at the New York Yankees. The O's on Thursday night at 705 have game three of a three game series against the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Thursday and I'll talk to you on Friday. We feel pretty comfortable, pretty good about the guy this year. We, we, we feel very strongly, um, I know I do, going into this, into this season that you know, we, we've got a guy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.